Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. live facebook live is this working i don't know this is being done from my computer here and i'm using a microphone and i don't know why i'm getting the feeling it's not working because it all looks a bit strange to me uh i didn't think i could do it, do it for my computer i spent ages trying to do it for my computer when i first started and i thought i had to do it for my phone so i'm doing it for my computer here and it says I'm live, so I hope I am live. Um, so we'll just keep going and see what happens. Um, so I hope the audio is working. Time will tell. Uh, okay, so I had a couple of weeks off, just back from a holiday, uh, two centre holiday, um, Guernsey in Wales. So that's... Um, obviously quite glamorous. So any aspiring plastic surgeons out there, that's what you can hope to achieve. Get the dizzy heights, uh, Guernsey and Wales, two cents uh, holiday. No, it was very nice. Um, but it is really good to be back. And um, we're having a good week this week, so far, early days. Um, did read something in the, in the, in the, on the internet today about a... Um, before I talk about the questions, I have got some questions, but um, about someone who had uh, some clinic which is in the news because of bad treatment and someone's doing non-surgical treatments and they're not trained and uh, someone complained and then lots of people started complaining because saying that they've had terrible outcomes um and people were saying uh, it was not a nice place it was very cold and the, the 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 practitioner wasn't very pleasant and um and i couldn't help but think that i can understand why people go ahead with things because it's quite a big deal to go to a cosmetic clinic and you know think you're having something done but i but i couldn't help but think that you know just go with your gut feeling and if you don't feel comfortable at a place then um just walk away um, just leave. Uh, if if it's if they're good practitioners, if they, they'll be happy for you to come back another time. Um, and and I, you know, we do. There's a big thing about having a cooling off period for bigger procedures, but for smaller procedures, there isn't that necessity to have a cooling off period. And actually, a lot of people want to have the procedure done on the on the day of uh, the consultation. And we do that here. We do a see and treat service, which is one of the sort of not a unique selling point, but sort of like a, a good a good selling point, I guess, because a lot of the hospitals don't allow you to book them the operating theatre um, at the time of your clinic because they need it for other people, whereas because we've got our own theatre here, we can operate on the same time as seeing people in the clinic. But at the same time, there's never any pressure to go ahead, and if you feel that you're not sure about things and you're not sure about having a scar or whatever it is, then just go, and you can always come back next week or the week after. And I think um, all these people coming out saying about this clinic wasn't very nice and it was cold and the practitioner wasn't nice. I feel like saying, well, you know, maybe you should have not had the procedure done and then said, I want to have a think about it. So um, 
that I just thought about that there. Um, so yeah, so we're on the we're on the new system here. We're on the the, the computer doing this. Um, I'm not sure where the comments will be if there are any comments. Um, I'm hoping my audio is working, um, and I'm not. Anyway, I'm assuming the audio. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's all working until I finish this and then realise that it's uh, it wasn't. So we've got some questions here. Can you pierce your ear in the same spot after split earlobe repair? Great question and. Uh, obviously, you can do any you can if you want, but it's not you, you shouldn't. Uh, when you do, when you have a split earlobe, a split earlobe is when you have an earring in and it pull, either pulls through or gradually elongates. And sometimes there's a tiny little bit of skin left behind, or it can just gradually elongate and pull straight through. And it's a relatively simple thing to to repair. And there's two ways of repairing it. One is by stitching it up. It's not as straightforward as that. I've done a video on my website, I think, about the actual ins and outs of how you stitch it up but basically bottom line is you know just close the close the gap um but if you do that you shouldn't have the earring pierced at the same place um because that will be at the apex of the scar and um if you have your earring pierced in the same place there'll be scar all the way below it and so scar is always weaker than normal skin so you shouldn't have it pierced there um because it's likely to pull through again and this is often a problem for people who have one earlobe that's split and the other one's not because they are off when you first have your ears pierced you haven't pierced uh in the, the ideal spot of the lobe in the center of the lobe and so when you say to people look you've got to have it repaired but then you have to have the earring re-pierced offset from the scar they're like well then my earrings will look uh, asymmetrical um it's guess not so much a problem if both are split because then you can have both uh re-pierced in an asymmetrical place but then you might say well actually i quite like the hole being right in the center of the lobe Therefore, there is a technique that you can use to repair the earlobe, um, keeping the hole. There is a there is a way. It's a technique that I've published uh, with Mr. Naranjan, who is a surgeon in Chelmsford that I used to work for many years ago, and he um, came up with the technique. And he's kind of done some very nice drawings, which are on my website, uh, and I wrote it up with him. Um, and basically what the technique involves is um, taking a piece of tissue from either side of the split and using that as a hammock to reinforce the repair so you end up with a the hole in the original place. Um, it's a double flap technique. So there's two flaps of skin, and those two flaps of skin support that repair so that's stronger than, than it would have been if you just um, closed it directly. But it's always going to be weaker than normal skin. So I always say that you can't wear big ding danglers and it's potential there's always a potential for it to pull through again but uh, that is something that we do offer um, the double flap technique repair which does allow an earring to be worn in the same place as uh, the original earring so um, that, that's uh, that's answered that one um, if dissolvable sutures oh this is a question if, asking if dissolvable sutures are used for mole removal and whether you, oh no that's the next question so so um, Good question. Uh, I don't know where that question is coming from, if dissolvable sutures are used for mole removal, because it depends on the surgeon, uh, Some, and it depends on, it depends. I, I don't use dissolvable sutures very often for mole removal. There's two places, I guess, you can use the stitches when you're closing a wound. If you have a deep wound, sometimes you'll use deep stitches, which, which are always dissolvable. Well, 
not always, but usually dissolvable because they're deep on inside the body, and so they they you don't want them to be there forever. Um, so um, you can use dissolvable sutures in that situation. And certainly, if I was using doing a, a, a mole repair, uh, sorry, a mole removal uh, on the trunk, and if it was a big one and the wound was under tension, it's often good to put a deep stitch in or a couple of deep stitches in to take the tension off before you put the skin sutures in. And the skin sutures are usually not dissolvable. Again, on the trunk, they often. Uh, so this is a big question that I, 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 should, <laughs> I should have thought this through. So um, right. Oh, this is a big question, actually. Uh, right, so uh, on the trunk, I often do use dissolvable sutures in the skin. Right, let's go fake. Uh, can we do this again? No, okay. Um, so, question. Are dissolvable sutures used for mole removal? Right, I'm going to break that up into face and body. Okay, so face, on the face, um, I very rarely use dissolvable sutures, but if their wound is under tension, um, then it might be it, it can be useful to put maybe one or, or push two dissolvable sutures to bring the tension off the wound before you put the skin sutures in, and the skin sutures are usually non-dissolvable sutures on the face. Um, the reason for this, you might say, well, I don't, I want dissolvable sutures because I don't want the hassle of having to come back and have the stitches taken out and you know all that sort of stuff, and I understand that. But a non-dissolvable suture you can take out at a much more predictable time. You can take out it at five days, seven days, whenever it is. You can say, I want to take that stitch out. And you know that stitch will be out at that time because the worry about leaving stitches in too long is you get stitch marks. There's that classic look of a scar with a straight line with the dots on either side. That's um, that's uh, because the sutures have been left in too long and they've got um, and they've and they've they've actually left scars themselves so on the face you don't want stitch marks so you want to take the stitches out at a certain time now sometimes in children very small children uh, who's going to be a real problem you might need to give them a general anesthetic to take the stitches out you could use dissolvable sutures which will then fall out and there's special dissolvable sutures you can use which are short lasting there's a whole range of dissolvable sutures which take different lengths of time to dissolve um, so on the face, rarely, usually it's a non-dissolvable suture because you'll want to get the best scar possible. On the trunk, on the body, on the arms, the legs, and the, and the, the torso, you uh, you may well use um, non-dissolvable su- sorry dissolvable sutures. Um, <laughs> this is clear, isn't it? Um, dissolvable sutures to take again to take the tension off because it's under te- uh, the, the wounds are more likely to be under tension on the uh, on the trunk. Uh, and also I use a dissolvable suture often in the skin on the trunk. The reason for this is the skin of the trunk takes longer to heal. So you want the stitches to be in for longer than the face. The face heals really well, so you can take the stitches out in five or seven days and you're going to be fine. On the torso, on the arms, the legs, and the, uh, the back particularly, um, it takes longer to heal. And so you want the stitches to be in longer, so you would use a dissolvable suture. And sometimes you would bury that dissolvable suture underneath the skin um sometimes you'd leave the stitches on the outside um but the main priority is to get the wound healed um and cosmetically the scar is often not quite as good on the body than it is on the face um and so you're more likely to use dissolvable sutures on the face on the body on the face i wish i'd thought that through and answered that question better and i'm sorry that i've rambled a bit and that's the problem with facebook live i can't do it again i'd have done that again if i could have done but anyway that i thought that was going to be an easy question but i made it sound difficult 
So, yeah, answered, yeah, dissolvable switches are sometimes used for vulnerable. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, oh, I've got to get this one right now. Should you expect your breast implants to drop to lower than the crease of your breast? Uh, I know what this is about um, because we've got a patient at the moment who's been in touch who said, look, they're worried. Um, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong with breast or implants. Breast, yeah, they can go, they can sit too high, too low, too far to the side, one up, one down. There's all sorts of things that can be bad about breast implants. But in my experience, by far the worst thing, no, not the worst thing, the most common um, problem uh, with implants is that they sit too high, particularly when they're under the muscle, which is the patient who is asking this question it is they are uh, the main problem is they can sit too high now they always sit a bit high to start off with and then they settle and um, the main problem um, the main problem with implants is that they can um, sit too high and so uh, that that is the thing that I really worry about implants sitting and being too high uh, so this patient has contacted us, I think she's quite shortly after surgery, saying she's worried because they're dropping and they're, they're, worried they're all going to you know, drop too low or whatever. I'm not really worried about them dropping too low. To be honest with you, in the early stages after surgery, I'm not really worried at all because things take a while for them to, to settle. Um, so exhibit A, number one, uh, too high is usually the problem with implants. And I, when I'm talking to people with implants, I always say, put them in low, put them in low. Um, because the worry is it's going to be too high, particularly under the muscle. Now, talking specifically about the breast crease, again, I think one of the problems with this day and age is I think a lot of patients get involved in um, in um, in um, a lot of patients get involved in in the the, the 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 ins and outs of surgery, and they want to know all the sort of you know um, stuff about it. it I wouldn't get too much involved in it, but uh, in this case, and often in the case, particularly in patients whose breasts are sitting a bit low, they've got a bit of a droop to the breast, they've got a, what we call ptosis. These are difficult cases to use breast implants in, because if your breast is sitting low and you put implants in, if you put imp the, 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 um, the crease, or the inframammary fold or the crease, the crease where your bra sits is like a set landmark on the breast. And if the, if the crease stays where it is and you've got a totic breast, which your breast that's sitting low, and you put the implant in, and it's held at the crease, it will look weird. It will look elongated, you'll get a snoopy deformity, or you'll get a, you've got a funny-looking breast. You'll get an implant that will be up here, a breast that sits low, and it will look weird, and it won't look right. Um, so in patients who've got totic, and also sometimes people who've got very small breasts, they're often a little bit deficient in the lower pole. And again, if you kept the, the fold where it is, it would look weird. The nipple has to be centered on the breast, and so it's often the case that we need to lower the fold. The fold needs to be lowered at the time of surgery in order to get the implant centered on the breast, centered on the nipple, and to make the breast look normal. And people think, oh, I'm worried because my implants are dropping and they're looking low. And this is all the importance of the preoperative um, discussions because you need to be aware that if your breast is sitting low pre-op and you don't have a lift, they'll still sit low post-op. Um, They'll be bigger, they'll be enhanced, they'll be fuller, but they'll still sit low. Um, but they'll, but they'll, they'll have more volume. And you, you just have to be aware of the sort of shape that you can achieve uh, when breasts are sitting low. Um, because 
and, and I think this is what should you expect the breast to drop lower than the crease of the breast. So the the crease will be naturally lowered. Uh, that's normal. Now the one thing about the thing the implants dropping lower than the crease that's slightly worrying is what is something called a double bubble. Um, a double bubble is when the implant actually descends lower than the breast crease, and you have a notable breast crease, then another bump below it, um, and that is something that um, can happen with implants. Uh, the so-called double bubble, bottoming out. Um, and so that is a bit of a worry. If that happens, then that something needs to be done for that. Again, if it's early stages, we need to see how it looks and how it, you know, the bottom line is, does it look weird, I would say, or not? If it looks weird and doesn't look right, if there's a sort of a bump and then another bump, then that that's that's not right, and that's something we might need to do something about. Um, so that can happen. Um, bottoming out can happen with implants when they descend below the crease of the breast. Um, but that's slightly different to having the crease lowered and having the implant sitting with the breast. Um, and as I say, I wouldn't worry too much about the ins and outs of creases and bottoming out and double bubbles and snoopy deformities. The bottom line is, does it look okay? If it looks okay, it's okay. If it doesn't look okay, it's not okay. It doesn't matter what you want to call it or what the reason for it not looking okay is. So I think you just got to be um, asking the question, does it look okay? And if it doesn't, then... Um, then good one Amy question live that's what I like to see that is what I'm talking about live questions coming in as I speak um, so that is the bottom line with any surgery with any particularly cosmetic surgery it's all relying on the pay you know a good outcome is patient based so if the patient's happy then it's good if the patient's not happy it's bad so um, but yeah I try and be clear with the patients whose breasts are sitting a bit low uh, what sort of outcome they can achieve because you need to be aware of, you know, you, that's how you get a happy patient. You get an unhappy patient, so I say, yeah, we'll do breast implants, and you'll look like this person who's got a totally different body shape to you. You know, people come in with photos of people, totally different body shape. You're like, well, hold on a minute. That might not be achievable. So you have to be aware of what's achievable. So we've got a live question coming in by Amy. Amy's saying, it's a random one. When you do a breast implant, can you do a removal of a belly piercing scar that has stretched? Belly piercing heard of a belly piercing scar that's stretched before um well you can do anything you want amy you can do it you can do loads of stuff when you do a breast augmentation so yes definitely you could so um i'm assuming i guess the piercing has been pulled and so yes you could just sort of excise the core of the piercing and, and close it up it would leave the scar uh where the piercing was um but that'd be relatively simple to do uh, and definitely could be done at the same time as a breast augmentation. No problem at all. And you know what? I'm going to go so far as to like that comment um, because that is what we want. Comments live. Um, and, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm, so I'm back from holiday, and I think I've answered those questions pretty badly, I feel. Um, uh, sorry about that. Sorry that I um, – belly button, belly button stretching during pregnancy. We've got Amy coming back at me now with another – thing can you do a belly belly button stretch belly button stretching or belly button piercing stretching um you mean an outie or to be honest with you you can do surgery to the belly button at the time of breast augmentation whatever it is um, um maybe talking would be easier than than this format but um but yes amy you can do yes belly button stretching during pregnancy can be um, fixed or if it's the eversion of the belly button or if it's a big 
but a big big piercing or, or stretching of the piercing. Anything can is possible, I would imagine. Um, yes, you can do belly button stuff. Um, right, so that's good. So I am hoping this is, I wonder how this looks, if it looks better than the phone or worse than the phone. Um, I think it would be better, wouldn't you, being a computer, but I don't know, I'm not, so sh- not, not convinced myself, but we will see on the playback. I uh, hope that's all. I'm just going to wait. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm just, uh, well, I'm not going to wait, actually. Um, I, will, I will wait if anyone's going to say anything. Not that I won't. I'm happy to wait if needs be. But uh, in the absence of further comments, I'm going to check myself out of here and um, and head for the hills. Um, taxi's waiting. So hope that was helpful. And um, please do keep asking questions. And maybe I'll try and do a bit of preparation next time and uh, get a bit, bit, uh, bit more slick at this. But anyway, we're getting there. Um, so yeah, checking myself out of here. If anyone's made a comment while I'm here and I haven't answered it, I apologize. Sometimes it happens, but I will pick it up next week and I'll answer you directly in the comment section. And, uh, thanks for visiting. Thanks for watching. Um, thank you. Like and share. <laughs> supposed to say like and share, aren't you? That's what everyone says when I didn't feel right. Anyway, but just thank Watching is enough. Thank you. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.